Money Pit is brought to you by Glisten, Gelmar, Simply Safe, Alexeter, and Stanley Tools. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on this fine August day? Is it sort of the dog days of summer in your part of the country? Is it just so hot you don't want to do a thing? Our advice Turn on the air conditioning and work inside. We're not going to give you the day off. We don't get it off either, but we are here to help you tackle those projects at 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Hey, coming up this hour, summer's is coming to an end soon, but your fresh supply of veggies doesn't have to. We've got tips to turn your summer vegetable garden into a fall vegetable garden so you can enjoy those veggies well into the chilly weather. Yum, because that's when it's the best time to make all sorts of yummy veggie soups. And guys, we are right in the middle of the peak season for home break-ins. Would you be surprised if I told you that most of these burglaries happen during the day and many of them are not forced entry? We're going to share some tips so that you can prevent thieves from just walking right in your door in a bit. And also ahead, if you own an older home like Leslie and I proudly do, you know that they have their challenges like stuck windows. Well, Tom Silva from TV's This Old House will be here with tips to free them up without damaging the frames or shattering glass. And you know that horrible smell that comes from your garbage disposer. I mean, it's so gross. Well, one lucky caller that we talked to this hour is never going to have to fight it or even smell it again. We're giving away a Glisten family of cleaners prize pack, and that includes the Glisten disposer care. Now, it's going to get rid of your garbage disposer grunge, buildup, germs, and that odor, and it cleans in such a cool way. Tom, you use it all the time at your house. Absolutely. You put it in the disposer, and it foams up and then drains away, and it's just sparkling clean as a result. It's a prize pack worth 50 bucks. Going to go out to one caller drawn at random, so why not make that you? Pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Leslie, who's first? Dave in New York is on the line and has a plumbing question. What are you working on? I had a couple of con- electric plumbing and heating contractors, and I had them give me estimates, and I wanted text piping put in, and they discouraged me from it because they were told that it was made with soil oil so that they could put a green label on it. And they already had to replace in some homes the PEX piping because rodents have been chewing on the pipes. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean, I could see rodents potentially chewing on plastic pipes. But I will tell you that I've not heard that as a long-term, as a, as a, as a widespread problem. I mean, PEX piping is really quite good. It enables you to do things that you can't do with uh, with metal piping, with copper piping. It's just a lot less expensive to install as well. So um, I don't think it's a wide enough problem that I would stop using it. I would continue to use it. But you don't know if they make it with soy oil or not. No, I don't. But I tell you what, rodents will chew anything. So it doesn't surprise me that maybe they had some rodent issues with it. But uh, I don't think it's a, it's a problem that will prevent me from using PEX. Okay. I was just curious to know. All right, Dave. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us in 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Lisa in Tennessee on the line who's dealing with a home she bought without having an inspection first. Let's hear what's going on. Hi. Well, first of all, let me just clarify that uh, my husband is the one who bought the home and he bought it before we were married. So I just kind of inherited it whenever I moved in okay. and married him. <laughs> See, now if so, you were married, you never would have let him do that without a good home inspection. Exactly. Okay, we have some spots. We have carpet in a few of our rooms, and each of the rooms, there are some sunken spots. Like, you can walk across, and it sinks, kind of gives with you, and then then the rest of the time, it's okay. There's other places that are just fine. 
And I've had somebody go underneath um, and check for for structural damage, water damage, or termites. Can't find anything. They say it's okay. So beyond ripping up the carpet and just seeing what it is, do you have a suggestion on what that could be? Well, just to find the sunken spot, like when you step on it, is it soft or something like that? Yes, it's kind of spongy almost, like it just sinks, it gives with you. And you can get underneath and you can look up and you don't see any decay or anything of that nature? Well, as far as I know, now I've not been under, my husband, we're not either one able to to get underneath just due to health conditions, and so we've had others go under and look, and they've all said Structurally, it looks sound. Uh, didn't see any termite damage. We don't have any uh, water damage underneath, so don't really know what it is that's causing it. And how many areas across the floor do you see these sunken spots? Well, you can't actually see them. It's just when you walk across them. But I would say you feel them. You feel yeah. them exactly. I mean, I wonder if the I wonder if it's something as simple as the padding breaking down under the carpet. Maybe it's not a structural problem. Well, listen. The only way you're going to know is that we can't really guess. You're going to have to pull that carpet back. It's not a terrible project to pull that pull wall-to-wall carpet up and then have it, you know, retacked down. If you're really concerned about it, that's what I would do. Right. I've been looking to get new carpet anyway, so that might be a, a good excuse. Well, there you go. Now you got a great excuse. <laughs> okay. And let me tell you something. When you when you pull that carpet up, Lisa, if you evaluate that floor, how old is this house? Oh gosh, see, I'm not even sure. Uh, probably back in the '80s. Okay, so it probably has a plywood floor, and it was nailed down. If it was done in the '80s, what you want to do is you want to um, have the installer, or you can even do this yourself. Take some drywall screws. Those are those long black case-hardened drywall screws. You drive them in with a with a drill driver, so you do it automatically, and you screw that that plywood to the floor while the carpet's up, and that will quiet the floor and prevent uh, any future squeaks that could occur. Okay, sounds great. Because the nails will loosen up over, over the last, you know, 30-plus years. And once you have that carpet up, that's a golden opportunity to do that. All right, well, these are some things to definitely look at. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Lisa. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, summer is almost over, which means fall home improvement season. Yippee hooray! It's our favorite time of year, plus the cooler temperatures that I know we are all looking forward to. So if you've got some projects you want to start planning for, let us give you a hand, tell you the right steps, and get things going. We're here for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, eating fresh and low. Local doesn't have to end when summer does. We've got tips for transitioning a summer vegetable garden into a fall veggie garden when the Money Pit continues. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Pavestone's easy-to-stack Rumblestone rustic building blocks. Create any outdoor hardscape you can imagine to instantly add old-world charm. Available at the Home Depot. For more information and product instructions, visit pavestone.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, if you've ever had a stinky garbage disposer, you know that you can throw all the lemon you want into it, but sometimes that gross smell just will not go away. Well, this hour's lucky winner has odor relief on the way. We are giving away a $50 Glisten prize pack, and it is chock full of cleaning products, including the Glisten Disposer Care. Now, it's going to clean and disinfect your garbage disposal, and it's going to take all of those gross smells that just seem to come from it all the time. Another great product from Glisten, the machine cleaning experts. Find out for yourself at glistencleaners.com and pick up the phone and call us right now for the answer to your home improvement project and your chance to win at 1-888-MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got William from Texas on the line. William, welcome to the Money Pit. What can we help you with today? Well, my daughter bought a house and the person that she bought the house from smoked cigarettes. And the house... When you walked, as soon as you walked in the door, the cigarette smell hit you. And it was basically throughout the house. And we're in the process of trying to figure out how we're going to get all that smell out, short of ripping the walls out. Does the house have carpet? Uh, yes. That's probably got to go. I mean, it, okay. you can try steam cleaning it, but it gets into the padding and everything else. The least you have to do is steam clean it. 
But what you want to do on the walls is you want to paint the walls with a really good primer. And so an oil-based primer or an alkali-based primer will seal in that odor. Clean the walls well. Use a TSP, trisodium phosphate, to wash them down, and then prime the walls. If you don't prime the, wall, the walls, the odor will basically permeate right through the new paint. But if you clean them and you prime them well, uh, that will do a, will go a long way towards uh, getting rid of a lot of that odor. That plus removing the carpet or at least steam cleaning the carpet are the two most important things to do. Yeah, and you know what? If you do end up removing the carpet, um, make sure they remove the padding as well. And if it's a wood subfloor, you want to paint it again with that same, you know, odor blocking primer because that will do a lot to help with that as well. And I don't know if you've held on to any of the draperies or any other soft goods from the previous owners. Just get rid of them or really have them cleaned well. Okay. That will work. I appreciate your answer. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, that steady stream of fresh tomatoes from your garden might be coming to an end, but you can keep the produce coming well into the cooler weather by transitioning your summer vegetable garden into a fall vegetable garden. Yeah, broccoli and cabbage, lettuce, spinach, mustard greens, beets, and turnips, they all grow really, really well in the cooler weather. The key here, though, is you've got to rejuvenate your soil, and that's going to replenish all the nutrients that it spent growing all of the summer veggies. So you've got to start with good soil. So here's the trick. First, you want to pull out the plants that are done producing and yank out any of those loose weeds or debris. Then add some compost and mulch and layer in some straw or hay on top of it, too, because it actually acts as an insulator for the garden when the temperatures do start to drop. Mm -hmm. And most fall veggies can actually endure a little frost, but you can extend their season by up to a month if you add a frost blanket on top of the hay. Yep. Just uh, lay down one seed every two inches. And before you know it, you'll replace those store-bought salad fixings with the fresher version right from your own backyard garden, fall or not. 888-666-3974. If you're getting set to plant your own home improvement project, give us a call. We'll help you get started in the right way. 888-MONEYPIT. Cindy in Illinois is on the line with a basement question. What's going on? I've lived in my home for over 40 years and had no trouble with water in the basement. And then about three years ago, we had a terrible drought here. And it seems like ever since then, if we get a hard rain, I end up with water coming up through the floor of the basement. So the reason you're getting water that comes up through the floor of the basement in the hard rain is because there's some defect in your drainage conditions outside the house. So you need to start by looking at the roof and making sure your gutter system is clean and making sure the downspouts are extended away from the house. It should be out three or four feet if that's all in good shape, then I would take a look at the angle of the dirt around the house, the grade. If it's really flat or if there's an area where it's tilting in or you're getting neighboring water from runoff from a different lot or something of that nature, you've got to regrade to keep the water away from the house. The only way it's getting down there is it's coming from the top and pushing under. It's not a rising water table because that takes months to happen. If it's reactive to the rain, then it's a problem with drainage, Cindy. So you need to look carefully in that area, and I'm certain you'll find the cause of it and be able to stop it. All right, next up we've got Robin in Kentucky who's noticing an odd odor. What's going on at your money pit? Well, purchased the house last February, and about two months later the house developed an odor. Wait, the whole house? Like inside, outside? Where is this odor that you sense? It appears to be coming from the ductwork. It's slab construction, and the people in the area say that it's, uh, the house is built in 55. They say that uh, they used ceramic ductwork under the slab, and uh, 
they're thinking that the ductwork has cracked and is letting a, an odor from underground come up. Eh, maybe not. But go ahead. But, it, well, we, we've had a number of people into the house to look at it, and uh, they've taken air samples and stuff, and no one can really say what it is. Uh, all they can say is, well, we suggest that you replace that ductwork with overhead you know, ductwork through the attic. That's a pretty big change. Have you ever had a duct inspection done with cameras? No, I've tried a number of people to get that done, and, and no one in the area uh, can do it. We called Roto-Rooter because we know they do it, but they said they wouldn't do it for ductwork. They would only do it for, for, you know, pipes. Well, Robin, as you've probably discovered, tracking down um, odors that are associated with uh, heating and cooling ducts is a very tricky business. And part of the reason for that is because there's so many possibilities. It could be mold. It could be other forms of organic matter. It could be sewage gases that are somehow working their way into those ducts. What I'm going to do is send you to a resource guide where every conceivable cause of duct odors is presented and explored and let you research this a little bit better on your own. And maybe you'll put two and two together based on what you read here and what you're experiencing in your home and come up with a solution. All right, so I want you to go to a website called Inspectopedia. Inspectopedia is a website actually put together by an old friend of mine named Dan Friedman. He's one of the best home inspectors in the country. He's gone through a lot of trouble to collect uh, information on problems just like this. And if you go to Inspectopedia, so it's Inspect A and P-E-D-I-A, uh, and you search uh, how to find and remove odors in heating ducts, you'll find this guide. And uh, it's thousands of words long, uh, and you should be able to go through and see if you can get to the bottom of it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jody in Delaware, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I actually have a problem with my foundation. It's an exposed foundation. About three feet high around the whole footprint of the house is exposed. It's a cement block foundation that had parging on it originally. And the parging was cracking, so it was recommended by a masonry contractor to put dry lock over it. So this is what I did. I put um, it's a it, they they add color to the dry lock, so I put it over the whole foundation, and it started to crack and peel and bubble. Yeah, you didn't adhere properly. First of all, isn't dry lock usually an interior uh, masonry paint, not an exterior masonry paint? Well, this particular masonry guy told me that he's actually used it on the bottom of swimming pools. So he thought that it would work. And when, when he saw it later, he said, wow, I've never seen it do that. Yeah. How about that? Just experiment <laughs> with your house. I did call the dry lock people, too. Yeah. And talk to them. And they, they told me to try to power wash it, try scraping it. But it's just become like a huge mess. You know, I mean, it peels in some places, some places it adhered. Yeah, the problem is that now that you've got that on there, you've got to get it off because you can't put any, you can't put new stuff over the bad old stuff. It just will continue to peel. Yeah, the problem is, is that uh, we are on um, filled in marshland is where the, is where, the, and so we're on clay and, clay and sand. And the cement block, you know, it sort of leaches up through there. So it's always sort of ha sort of damp coming up from the ground anyway. Yeah, that's what I was going to, that's what I was kind of thinking. I was thinking the block wall might have been wet when you applied it. It might have been visibly wet, but see, those block walls are hydroscopic. They absorb water really, really well. And so if you if it's on a moist situation, that water's going to draw up, get behind that paint, and nothing causes paint to peel faster than, than water. So unfortunately, at this stage, you're going to have to strip that off. Oh, my 
gosh. And we're right on we're right on the water. You know what I mean? We're on the bay. So I'm always worried about things that are not environmentally friendly. The other thing that I think you probably could do, and this is a you know, this is a big job in and of itself though, is you could have a mason attach um a woven wire mesh to that foundation and restucco it. And in that case, it could go right on top of the old junky paint because you're not really sticking to the foundation, you're sticking to the mesh. So that's another possibility. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess in some places that was used before underneath the parging. Well, the parging the parging is simply a stucco coat that goes on top of the block wall, and it's typical for the parging to crack. And usually it cracks along the lines of the of the, of the masonry block. Yep. That's what it did. And that's not necessarily a defect. That's pretty much just the way it goes with that stuff, especially if they don't put it on thick enough. So I would consider, if you really want to have it to look like a traditional masonry foundation, I would consider having mesh put up there and then properly restuccoed. If not, you're just going to have to peel that paint off any way you can. Up next, older windows, they are more challenging than charming at times, especially when they get stuck or worse, stuck open or stuck shut, and then you're banging on the sides, and then maybe you're breaking things. Does that sound familiar at all? And no, it doesn't really bother me personally. Yes, it does. Well, we're going to have Tom Silva stopping by from this old house, and he's got tips on how you can work those stuck windows open without causing damage when the money pit continues. And this old house on the money pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools. Stanley Tools has been helping to build America since 1843. Look for specially marked Stanley packaging featuring the Made in USA with Global Materials logo. Visit stanleytools.com forward slash build your America. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they worked in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Fit is presented by Leviton. With a focus on safety, Leviton products are the smart solution for all your electrical needs. To get more information about how to help improve your home's electrical safety, visit www.getsafetoday.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, the kids are headed back to school this time of year, but unfortunately there are plenty of bugs waiting to hitch a ride to classrooms and college dorms with them. If you head on over to our website at moneypit.com, you'll learn which bugs thrive during this back-to-school season and how you can keep your kids safe and bug-free. The details are right there on the homepage right now at moneypit.com. Well, old windows have their charm, but they also have their maintenance headaches. One of which is how to get them moving again if they get stuck. With us to talk through the step-by-step solution is Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Hi, Tommy. Hi, guys. How are you? So it's hard to paint a window sometimes without it getting stuck, and the adhesive quality of paint is something really to behold. Boy, it sure is. And once that window's stuck, getting it free can be a challenge. So where do you, what do you do? How do you approach this? Because you want to get it moving and you don't want to break the glass. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> don't want to break the glass. You don't want to hit the sash or the round the perimeter with a hammer because just by hitting the you wood... You don't? Could, no. Well, <laughs> just by hitting the wood, you could break the glass. But a five-in-one tool is a great tool to have. It's a stiff knife. 
Also, I've used drywall knives or wide putty knives. They work great. And they also have a thing called a sash saw. A sash saw. A sash saw is a little tinny saw with a little black handle. It looks like a heart. Okay. What you do is you place the sash saw flat against the surface of the sash. Okay. And you run it down where the stop beat meets the sash. When you pull, it'll cut through the paint. Just go back and forth so it's almost like a file. It opens up that joint. You can go across the bottom where the stool meets the sash and up the other side. So you basically got to get that opened up on the inside. You also do it from the outside as well, from both yep. sides? In some cases, you're going to have to do it from the outside too because they've, they've painted the meeting or the parting bead into the sash also. So once you've done your vertical sort of parts of the sash, what do you do on that bottom horizontal edge between the sash and the sill? Because that gets stuck too. Yeah. Well, you, again, the sash saw will run in there. If you can't get the sash saw in there, a putty knife, a stiff one, or even a drywall knife works good. You just tap it in gently with your hammer and move it along, and you'll actually feel the window pop away from the paint when you're real close to finishing. Now, one mistake I think that a lot of times homeowners make is they try to take their hands and sort of drive that window up by pushing the upper rail of the sash. Mm, yeah. And that can actually pull that whole sash apart. Yeah, and you can actually break the glass and you'll cut your wrist. So you got to be real Bad careful idea. by doing that. Wear gloves, a good pair of gloves when you're doing it. Gloves with a cuff on it is always important. What I like to do is I'll take a narrow or a thin flat bar and I'll take it outside get on the windowsill and have two of them, one on each side of the styles of the window. You don't want to be in the middle and put any pressures, and then you just gently tap it in on each side, and the, the window should come up gently. But you've got to work it easily, take your time, because the glass will crack. And you've got to think that this is occurring because you've been painting a lot over years. So we're probably looking at potentially lead-based paints. I mean, you've got to be careful with this. If you're worrying about lead paint, you've really got to think about a HEPAVAC. You've got to think about protecting yourself. You've got to make sure you use a P100 or an N100 respirator. You want to make sure that you cover your skin around. Again, gloves, it's important. you just got to be careful with lead paint. Safety counts. Now, once you get this window moving again, you pick it up and you find that, uh-oh, it falls down. It's completely slammed shut because the weights are broken. Mm, yeah, the, so now the you've got yourself yeah. into a whole other scenario. Yeah. Well, now you got to take the sash out. All right. So then you got to get to your screws that are holding your stop beads into place. You get those free. You cut those out and then you can pull the bottom sash out. If the upper sash needs to have sash cords also, then you have to break the paint away from that window to make that operate get the stop bead out or the parting bead out. That's a little piece of wood that you can pop that out. And then you can pull the top sash out. Once you have it out, you'll see there are little doors on each side that is one screw holding each one in. You take the screws out, you pull the boards out, and you can then see the window weights. And you'll probably find it right there in the bottom of that part of the wall cavity if you're lucky, right? Yep, and it's usually behind the lower sash. So once you get that out, you take the window weights out, you take the old cords out, get everything out of the way, get it cleaned up. Now the next thing you want to do is you want to take a pencil and you want to mark on each face of the sash the location of the holes that are in the sides of the sash. Okay. And they're probably six or seven inches down, but just have a little reference. You can do it with a piece of painter's tape. Mark that location. All right, now put the sash away. Now you're going to take and you're going to push the cord down the pulley until you can get the cord with your hand. Tie it to the weight and push it back into the opening. 
two on each side if you're doing the upper and the lower. Has sash cord advanced at all over the years, or is it still strictly like a, a cotton, cotton, cotton rope? Pretty yeah. much <laughs> cotton, cotton clothesline. Uh, you know, a good one. You can actually use a sash chains that uh, they brass or gold color. And they're a little noisier, but people like them because they're original and they want to use those also. All right. So we freed up the sashes. We fixed the uh, weights if they dropped. What about the replacement jams that sort of are spring-loaded if you don't want to go through the trouble of having to find those weights again? Yeah. What do you think of those? Do they work? Yeah, they do work. They call them spring balancers. There's Mm -hmm. one that's aluminum or vinyl. Some of them have a padding on them that basically becomes a compression balance system, and that's also an insulator also. The benefit to using those are you don't have to worry about the pulleys. You don't have to worry about the cords. My suggestion in that case would be take the pulleys off, take the weights out, fill the cavities with insulation. Ah, good point. Yeah. If you're going to fill the cavity with insulation, it's tricky, but you've got to get it in there so it's nice and tight. You can actually blow it in. If you wanted to rent a cellulose machine, you could blow in But cellulose. not like an expandable foam. You got to be careful with expandable foam. I've used expandable foam lots of times. It's got to be open cell and you got to know what you're doing. You got to make sure that you not only insulate the two sides, you got to insulate across the top and underneath the sill. Because if you have an old window, you have a space there that's probably two and a half to three inches wide across each side. Mm-hmm. Three inches across the top and probably three inches across the bottom. That's where a lot of your air is leaking. You know what I love about this project? It's one that could take 15 minutes or like the whole weekend. A whole weekend. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Never know what you're going to find when you're working in an old if house. You, if, but if you're going to use a compression balancer, one with the foam on it, you may have to plane your windows down just a little bit or cut them on a table saw just a little bit to make up for that. You just don't want to take too much off because you want the windows to fit in that opening snug. Make it two weekends. Right. <laughs> Tom Silver from TV's This Old House. Great advice. Thank you so much for helping us free up our windows once again. Always a pleasure to be here. All right. Catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Still ahead, did you know most break-ins happen during the day and many are as easy as walking right in an unlocked door? We're going to have tips to help you protect your home and your family after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has no long-term contract and the award-winning 24/7 protection is just $15 a month. Money Pit listeners save 10% when you visit simplysafemoney.com today. That's simplysafemoney.com. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, they're supposed to make life easier, but dishwashers and garbage disposers become yet another headache when they start to smell. Yeah, and they smell really gross when they do start to smell. So a lucky winner this hour is going to find an end to all of those yucky smells. We're giving away a $50 prize pack of Glisten cleaning products, and that's going to include Glisten Disposer Care. It will thoroughly dis- disinfect every single part of your garbage disposer and it'll take all the germs and all the smell with it. Learn more about Glisten, the machine cleaning experts at glistencleaners.com and call now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win 888 Money Pit. Well, 2 million home burglaries are reported every year in this country and nearly one third of those are because of an open window or an unlocked door. That's just crazy. 
Break-ins increase during the summer months, so you want to make sure that you're taking steps to keep your home safe from burglars. Yeah, now this is going to sound like a no-brainer. You want to make sure that all doors and all windows are secure, even if you're just running out for a minute. Because, guys, most of these break-ins are happening right in the middle of the day. Now, you're probably using your slider or your back door more often in the summer months. You can use a stick to secure the track on your sliding door. They even sell braces for this purpose. But, I mean, a stick or a dowel or something like that will work very well. Do not keep your spare keys in obvious places, guys, like under the doormat. People do that. And burglars know it. It happens far more often than you think. you got to get more clever, guys. Now, if you want to be really proactive, you might want to think about installing a security system. Because if you don't have one, you're up to 300% more likely to be broken into. And if you've been thinking that security systems are too complicated, they're expensive, they require these crazy long-term commitments, you're going to love our new favorite security system. It's called Simply Safe. It can be totally DIY. There's no installers needed to schedule. There's no electricians needed to hook it up. Exactly. This is a completely wireless do-it-yourself system. You're going to get all the components that you need right in your kit, and in about a half an hour, you've got a professional security system in place. No wiring, no drilling, no outside people trying to help you or bill you extra money. I mean, this truly is a do-it-yourself home security system. And think about it, you'll be protected 24-7. The monitoring comes in as low as $14.99 a month, and again, no long-term contract. And the best part is that Money Pit fans will get an exclusive 10% off deal. Now, to get your discount, you must visit simplysafemoney.com to learn more. That's Simply Safe Money, and Simply is spelled S I M P L I safemoney.com. Try it risk free. You got a 60 day money back guarantee at simplysafemoney.com. Jim in Washington, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I've got a rear patio that's an aggregate cement, and there's a gap between uh, the edge of that. It goes under our rear sliding glass door, under the threshold. It's a gap of about three to four inches uh, and about maybe a foot or two in length. What can I use to kind of fill that void um, so we don't get like rain in there, uh, and insects, or even rodents? So you have space between the patio and the actual patio door, like it didn't like press up against the house kind of a thing? You said it's about three or four inches deep? Yeah, the gap is, yes. The gap is. And you said it was a foot and a half wide. You threw me on that because it sounded like it's not going along the entire length of the door. Yeah, correct. It's just about maybe a third of it. So we need to figure out a way to kind of fill this in and perhaps make it blend in with the patio. What I probably would do here is, can you dig this out and make it a little bit deeper so we can get a bit more concrete in there? Uh, I could do that. Uh, it's aggregate, though, so I'm not sure how well it's going to match. Because I'm afraid if you put something in that's, um, you know, not very th- uh, thick, it may crack and break up very easily. But if you were to dig that out a little bit, put a little stone in the bottom of the of the pit, and then use an epoxy patching compound and mix the concrete, mix a mix the concrete up with the epoxy products, then you're going to have something that's going to be um, less resistant to cracking and more likely to stick to the old patio. Now, in terms of coloring it, you're probably going to have to use some concrete dyes. And they come in different colors, but you may be able to dye it to get somewhat close to what you have there now. Okay, it's, it's aggregate, so how do I deal with that? So it has sort of a stone, has like a stone-like finish on top? Yes. Well, could you add aggregate to the top of the, of the concrete mix? Yeah, I could try that. So there's another way to do it. This way you'll have the texture and the color as well. Yeah, okay.
Sounds good. Just do it all at once and let it, you know, let it set. But use the epoxy patching compound, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a concrete mix, except that it's uh, it, it's very sticky. How much do I need to cut out? How much should I fill? I mean, if, if the if the depth of that replacement section was three inches, that should be plenty. Okay, sounds good. Coming up on the program, antique doorknobs and hardware, they look great, but how they function, well, that's another story entirely. We're going to tell you how you can keep that great vintage look without sacrificing all of those modern locks and keys when the Money Pit continues. The Money Pit is brought to you by Glisten. Glisten makes it easy to clean, freshen, and maintain your dishwasher, disposer, microwave, and washing machine. So improve the performance of your appliances with cleaning solutions from Glisten, the machine cleaning experts. Visit glistencleaners.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, believe it or not, autumn is just around the corner. So it's time that you start prepping your home for the cooler weather that lies ahead. You can head to our website for some easy August weekend projects that you are able to squeeze in right now, and you will be thanking yourself for doing this later. We've got all of the details on our homepage at moneypit.com. And you can also post your questions in the community section, like Chris did, who says we're in the process of remodeling our 1940s house. All the existing doors have mortise-style locks, antique knobs, and back plates that are original to the home. However, all the keys are missing. I'd like to replace the locking mechanisms, but keep the antique back plates and knobs. They look great. Is there a way to keep using these old knobs and back plates but add new locks? You know, Leslie, it seems that there are a lot of websites that are dedicated to this exact topic. I've seen a number uh, online where they supply not so much parts for old locks, but locks that look very old and function in much the same way and, you know, have skeleton key and then they'll open it right up. I suspect that Chris would be better off replacing uh, those old locks with ones that are look similar rather than find the parts. I mean, it might be possible to preserve, say, the knobs, but when it comes to the mechanisms, the internal locking mechanisms, that's going to be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's interesting. There are so many websites that do specialize in this, and what they'll do is they'll cast antique hardware and then make brand new ones. So Tom's right. You're going to get the exact same look, but with modern functionality. You know, one of the sites that Tom and I both really like is called House of Antique Hardware. They have a lot of different things that will match your look. I mean, even down to plumbing, it's just really, really good functions. Up next, we've got a post from Marie who says, I want to move my washer and dryer from my basement to my unheated garage. Other than plumbing for the washer, do I need to do anything special beforehand, like add insulation to the space or heat it? Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, look, using your washer, moving your washer to the garage is a fine idea in, say, the spring, summer, and fall in most parts of the country. But you're going to have some real issues when it comes to the winter if those lines, which, remember, those hoses come right up into the back of the machine, uh, they're definitely going to freeze. So unless you live in a warm part of the country, I don't think moving a washer to the garage makes a whole lot of sense. Now, even if you're turning off the water supply to the washer after each use? Yeah, because think about it. You would not only have to turn the water supply off to the washer, you'd have to turn the water supply off in the wall that feeds the washer. Okay. So it's not enough just to get it at that connection. Yeah, and you'd have to drain the pipe because even if the water's off but there's water in the pipe, it can still freeze and break. Now, in addition to that, it seems to me that because the dryer, assuming that would be in the same location, would be so cold, it would probably take longer to dry your clothes. 
and that would cost you more in energy bills for that as well. So all in all, I really don't think it's a good idea. You know what a better option might be, Leslie, and that is to stack these units. You know, in our laundry room, when we remodeled it, we took two full-size units, a washer and a dryer. We were able to stack the dryer on top of the washer because that's the lighter appliance. And it fit and it works perfectly and we saved a whole bunch of room. Yeah, and surprisingly, most washer dryers are stackable depending on what the tops look like. All you have to do is ask at your local center where you're buying the pieces. You'd be surprised to know that you can stack much of them, but make sure you have the proper height available because it didn't work at my house. Don't ask how I know. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this fine August day with us. We hope we've given you some tips, some advice, some ideas, some inspiration to avoid some perspiration when it comes to tackling your next home improvement project. Remember, if you've got questions, we've got answers 24-7 at moneypit.com and also on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Money Pit, where you can post your home improvement question and shockingly get an answer from us. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.